Well, I'd like to welcome you all. You've probably been welcomed three or four times, both in person and online. But I'd like to welcome you all today at this point in the service to the final part of a message series we've been doing called Simply. I'm actually not even sure how many parts it was. I think it might have been like 12 or something like that. It just kept growing people. It kept growing and we could keep going. We could actually keep going with about another 100 topics from the Bible, but we decided we have to stop someplace, so let's stop in a high note. So today is called Simply Victory, because God's plan is not for us to go through life defeated and barely getting by. God's plan for us is to have victory over the areas of our life that we have been defeated and once before. I want to start off with a verse from the book of First John, and here's what it says. It says, everyone who has been born of God, everyone who has come to faith in Christ, been spiritually reborn, everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world. Now, let me ask you a question, and this is like one, this is like Get show your, let's have a show of hands. How many of you are Christians, but some mornings you wake up and the first thought in your head is not, whoopee, I'm going to overcome the world today. Has anybody ever had one of those mornings? Okay. So it's like everyone, well, that's me, who has been born of God, overcomes the world. But I don't always feel like that. I don't know about you. And then it says this, this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Or some English translations put it this way, faith is the victory that overcomes the world. Or faith gives us victory so that we are able to overcome every circumstance in the world that may be coming against us. And it's not just any kind of faith, it's faith in Christ because He has already won the victory. I think that um, one of the biggest issues, so I've been, an, I've been a pastor for a long, long time, and I've noticed a lot of things, and one of the, the biggest issues that I see that comes up in the lives of Christians is when they are facing a situation that they believe they are supposed to have victory over because they've got Bible verses that say it and all of that kind of thing. But in their own life experience, they are not experiencing victory. They are experiencing defeat. And, you know, that, that can be the biggest test, you know, when you have an ideal and then there's a reality. If there is a huge gap between the ideal and the reality, it kind of feels like it's, it, you're never gonna be able to bridge that gap. And so when people feel defeated and it's like, why hasn't God helped me? Why hasn't he bailed me out of this situation? How come other people get blessed and I don't? You know, that kind of thing. Defeat, the experience of being defeated in life. And hey, we will all have times 
when we feel defeated in life. But I'm talking about when that is like the default, when that's normal, and a victory is like an unusual and rare event. If that is our life experience, that can be the thing that gets us down, that pulls us down in every area of our life. You know, in our family, in our faith, in our career, in every area of our life, that can be the thing that pulls us down. And when it comes to our Christian faith, I have noticed over the years that there are three areas in particular that we tend to experience defeat. The first area is the area of disappointments. We'll get to them all in a minute. I'll just tell you what they are now. Disappointments. Facing disappointments. Um, Another area is deception. Being led astray, being deceived, being confused uh, about what you're supposed to believe and what you're supposed to do with your life. I mean, that can have people just going round and round in circles and not actually making any progress in life. And then, of course, there's the area of temptation and overcoming temptation. And of course, part of the prayer that Jesus taught is is that we are supposed to be praying that God would lead us away from temptation. And yet very often we run straight towards it. So discouragement, deception, and temptation are three areas that we are supposed to live in victory over, but very often we experience defeat, and the experience of defeat can cause you to just want to throw in the towel. And can I just say here that this this idea that we can very easily be led astray and believe the wrong things, we can very easily be led astray and do the wrong things, this whole idea is why, one of the main reasons why we did this whole message series called Simply starting with simply Jesus, because what we realized is it's, it's hard to be deceived and led astray, and it's hard to um, justify temptation and doing the wrong thing if your foundation is secure. And so, this whole series is about building a firm foundation so that it makes it easier for us to build a successful and victorious life on top of that uh, foundation. So, I want to start off with victory over discouragement. Victory over discouragement. Now, you might think, well, I think you're putting the cart before the horse here, because is it not the fact that are you not discouraged because you are defeated? Because you're defeated, that's why you feel discouraged. Well, that can be true, But I actually think that very often the reason we're defeated is because we're discouraged. It's not that, oh, I'm discouraged because I'm defeated. It's I'm defeated because I'm so discouraged, I have lost all the energy to rise up and win a victory in that situation. Discouragement, if discouragement can get a hold of you in some area of life, you've lost the whole game there. And so like any any baseball coach knows that if his team feel discouraged, he has to give them a pep talk and get them out of the discouragement. Because if they go on the field already feeling discouraged, they are defeated before the game has even started. 
Yes, defeat leads to discouragement, but very often discouragement, emotional discouragement, is what leads us to defeat. There's a story in the Old Testament where King David uh, had, was leading his army into battle against the enemy. And what he didn't know was while they were doing that, the enemy had sent another troop round to David's camp. So when David and his men all got back to the camp, they found out that all their wives and children had been kidnapped. And it said that the men were so discouraged and so angry at David that they wanted to stone him to death. Many a pastor has found consolation in that passage of Scripture, I can tell you. And so they wanted to stone him to death. And you know what it says? It doesn't say that David defended himself, David put up an argument, David punched them in the face, nothing like that. It says, and so David encouraged himself in the Lord. David got away from the situation that was discouraging him. He got away from it, and he took his attention off of the discouragement, and he put his attention on the Lord, and he encouraged himself in the Lord. And it was so effective that he even wrote a song about it. It's in Psalm chapter 131. And here's what it says, if we put this one up. It says here, this is David wrote this, and he's giving us advice for what to do when we feel discouraged. He says, Lord, I have given up my pride and turned away from my arrogance. The first thing to do when you feel discouraged is admit the fact that you do not have the power to overcome this situation, but thankfully you know the one who does, okay? Right? I've tried this, Lord. I've failed. I'm not going to be arrogant. I'm not going to be proud. I'm going to be honest and authentic before you. I am not concerned with great matters or subjects too difficult for me. Have you ever noticed yourself doing this when you're in a discouraging situation and you're trying to pray that you actually come up with the solution that God needs to do? You've got, the, you've got it all prescribed. Well, Lord, what I need you to do is change that person's mind and make this happen and make that happen. Like, if you could have solved the problem, you would have solved the problem, okay? So what you need to do is say, Lord, I'm not going to concern myself with how this is going to happen, when it's going to happen, who's going to be involved in it happening. I'm just going to trust in you. These matters are beyond me, but they're not beyond you. I'm going to trust you for the victory, and it's going to happen probably some way I could never have calculated on my own. Instead of trying to solve the problem myself, I am content and at peace as a child has quieted itself on its mother's lap. I mean, you think of this little child that's fussing and crying and making a lot of noise, and then all of a sudden, it goes quiet, and it makes a wee goo-goo noise, and then that's it. It's quieted itself on its in its mother's arms. Uh, he says, so my heart is quiet within me. Israel, trust in the Lord now and forever. If you're feeling discouraged 
Maybe what you need to do is stop trying to solve the problem that's discouraging you. Stop trying to justify why you were right to do that. Just get it all out of your mind. Get it all out of your mind and stop thinking about it. Stop focusing it. Take your attention off of that issue and put your attention on the Lord. Put on some worship music in the background that just that, that makes you for, Remember the old song? Some of you will remember an old song. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in His wonderful face, and the things of this earth will grow, what was the word? Strangely dim in the light of His glory and grace. All of a sudden, this problem that looked like a huge mountain, after you've spent some time with the Lord and reminded yourself of how good He is, how amazing He is, how even if He never ever fixed that problem, He redeemed you, He saved you, you have eternal life, my goodness. What, what have you got to complain about? And after you've turned your eyes upon Him, the things of this world grow strangely dim in the light of His glory and grace. Do you know what I do when I'm feeling discouraged after I've griped for a little while and all that kind of stuff? I then put on worship music, and I think I'm just going, I'm going to soak in the Spirit. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to pickle in the presence of God. You know, you know the word baptize? You know how the word baptize means to immerse? Actually, there's two different Greek words used in the Bible, baptizo and bapto, and we translate them both as baptize. But one of them, one of them actually means to baptize, it means to immerse, it means to dunk, splash, splash. That's all it means, right? But the other word, bapto, which is sometimes used, it actually means to pickle. It means to get a vegetable and put it in vinegar. Don't just dip it in and take it out, but leave it there and let it soak until the vinegar has softened it up. And sometimes we need to pickle in His presence. We need to just put on some worship music and lie in the couch and just listen to the words and pickle in His presence and let God's love just soften up all the hard bits you know, marinate in His majesty. I mean, we could keep making these things up and go on all day. But just, if you focus on God, if you put, look, look what it says. Here's what it says in Isaiah. The book of Isaiah says this, uh, chapter 40. It says, don't you know, haven't you heard, the Lord is the everlasting God. He created the world. He never grows tired or weary. No one understands his thoughts. He strengthens those who are weak and tired, who are at the point of giving up because of discouragement. He strengthens those who are weak and tired. Even those who are young grow weak. Young people can fall exhausted, but those who trust in the Lord for help will find their strength, not just physical, but their emotional strength, their mental strength, their spiritual strength will be renewed. It says they will rise on wings like eagles. They will run and not get weary. They will walk and not grow faint. If you're discouraged emotionally and spiritually in whatever other way, Stop trying to deal with the issue. Take your attention off of it. Put it on the Lord. Be like King David and encourage yourself 
in the Lord your God. And I'll tell you, you will find all of a sudden that the problems of this world will become minuscule, and the things of this world will grow strangely dim. Victory over discouragement. If you can avoid being discouraged, if you can stay encouraged, then you've won half the battle already. And if there's nobody around you that will encourage you, just stand in front of your bathroom mirror and just say to yourself, you're looking a bit better today than you did yesterday. I think that wrinkle's gone. In fact, I think good thing, you're renewing your youth like the eagles. In fact, today's going to just encourage yourself. Remember years ago that video of the little girl that went about standing in front of her bathroom mirror doing affirmations? Today's a great day. You're going to do great. And everybody loved that little girl, and they shared that video about maybe you should be that little girl and encourage yourself in the Lord your God. The second area that we very often uh, can be tripped up in is the area of deception, victory over deception. And I, I have noticed very often that, you know, this can be a, a big stumbling block for Christians, not only if they have been deceived, but if somebody that they have admired, they have now decided that that person is deceived, it seems to affect them so much. You know, like I remember when I was a young Christian in the UK, we did not have Christian TV in the UK. In fact, I don't even think we had Christian radio there was a lot of regulations about who could broadcast, and, and it was maybe a good thing that we didn't have that, because we didn't have all the tele-evangelists who become famous very quickly and then have a scandal. But I remember there was one in particular when I was a young Christian uh, from the United States, an evangelist who was very well known, and he was a big, big deal in the, in the United States. And even though he wasn't so much of a big deal in the UK, he was enough of a big deal that it made the news, the secular news, that this evangelist had had a scandal and had been caught having an affair and blah, blah, blah. And I remember at the time some Christians saying, well, I just don't know what to believe now. Why? Because you had trusted Him as your Lord and Savior. Can I just tell you, don't put your faith in any man or woman. They will let you down. There is only one person that you can put your faith in, and that is Jesus Christ. He's the only one that never had a scandal. He is the one that lived a perfect life. He conquered every problem that came his way. He paid the price for us, and he conquered death, hell, and the grave. Don't put your faith. I've seen it through the years. I've seen it on social media. Some preacher, it turns out, is preaching weird stuff, non-biblical stuff. It's leading people into error, into deception. And then people are, well, I've just practically lost my faith. Well, maybe your faith was in the wrong person then. Don't put your faith in man. Put it in. Look, don't be surprised about the fact that there's charlatans out there and there's strange beliefs out there, and sometimes Christians fall for it. Don't be surprised. Jesus warned us. Here's what Jesus said. Have a look at this. I think it's Matthew's gospel. In Matthew 7, Jesus said this, every tree that does not produce good fruit is chopped down and thrown into the fire. Yes, just as you can identify a tree by its fruit, so you can identify people by their actions. 
Not everyone who calls out to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Only those who actually do the will of my Father in, in heaven will enter. Now, look at this. On judgment day, many will say to me, not two or three, many will say to me, I mean, Jesus is warning you here, don't let your faith be affected by charlatans and deceivers and, and people that lead others astray. Don't let that affect your faith, because I'm telling you right now, there's a lot of people like that. Many will come to me and say, Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name and cast out demons in your name and perform many miracles in your name. And let's look at what Jesus says to them. Next slide. He will reply, I never knew you. Not I did know you once and then you, you wandered down the wrong path, but like I never knew you in the first place. Like you were never in the family. I never knew you. Get away from me, you who break God's laws. Anyone who listens to my words and follows them is wise like a person who builds a house on a solid rock. Though the rain comes in torrents and the floodwaters rise and the winds beat against that house, it won't collapse because it's built on a bedrock. Look, Jesus has warned us. There's going to be many people who are going to come up with all kinds of strange ideas. They might even look like Christians, claim to be Christians, sound like Christians. Do not be led astray. And one of the ways to have victory over deception is to make sure your life is built on the Word of God. Jesus said, if you will listen to my words, if you will believe them, if you will put them into practice, it is the Word of God. God, and especially the words of Jesus that will give you a grounding in faith. And when you hear some weird or strange thing, you're going to say, that doesn't fit with the Word of God. And not only is it important to know the Word of God, to know the Scriptures, it's important to know the God of the Word. It's not just important to know the Scriptures, it's also important to know the Lord. Look at this next passage. Let's look at this next one. John 10, Jesus said, the deeds I do by my Father's authority speak on my behalf. But you, now he's talking to the Pharisees and so on, you will not believe for you are not my sheep. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they shall never die no one can snatch them away from me. What my Father has given me is greater than everything else, and no one can snatch them from my Father's care. Listen, the Bible tells us that if we are truly one of Jesus' sheep, that His sheep know His voice, and they follow after Him, and the voice of a stranger they will not follow. Like, think of it this way. In, in the Middle East in those days, um, shepherds would all have their flocks, but they would let all their flocks mix together. They would all mix together. But the, each shepherd knew his own individual sheep. He gave them all a name. And they taught the sheep their names. And they would shout, Daisy, Daisy, Bluebell, or whatever they called them, and Daisy and Bluebell would come trotting over. 
But if one of the other shepherds tried to call Daisy and Bluebell to join his flock, Daisy and Bluebell would not follow that shepherd's voice because that was the voice of a stranger. And Jesus used that as an illustration, and he said, look, my sheep know my voice. If you're one of God's children, you need to know how, you need to be able to recognize when something is the voice of Jesus and when it isn't. And so once again, this comes down to being grounded in Scripture and spending time in His presence. Now, can I just say, like, according to this, if you are truly saved, no one can snatch you out of His hands. You are safe in the hands of Jesus. You are safe in the Father's hands. But the last passage taught us that if you're able to just walk away from your faith, just walk away from it, maybe have no faith or join some weird faith, join a cult or something like that. If you're able to just walk away from your faith and not return, never return, then it's not that you lost your salvation. It's that He never knew you in the first place. That's why the Bible says, make your calling and election sure. Or in other words, make sure your heart is right with God. Otherwise, you may just have bought into a religious philosophy temporarily while it was convenient, and then you give it up when it's not. But if you know His Word, and you know His voice, and you spend time in His presence, you won't be shaken. The last one is this, victory over temptation. Victory over temptation. Now, this is the area that for some people, it's big things that are the problem, things that we, we regard as big temptations. And then for other people, it's small things that are the problem. I'll tell you, I'll just tell you what I am. I'm the small person. See if there was a big, big problem, if there was some big temptation coming my way or some big problem, and I've got time to think about it. I am not going to follow it. But it is the little things. It is the temptation to be irritable with somebody. It is the temptation to not not, you know, to not be patient with the teller at the bank. It's whatever it may be. For me, it's the little things, and I fall into them, and then I think, oh, for goodness sake, Martin, you, you're, supposed to be a, you're supposed to be a pastor, never mind a Christian. <laughs> and like, and this is 2020, some, if you say something nasty to somebody, no doubt there's someone in the line videoing it on their phone, I mean, have you seen some of the, you've seen some of the videos in, in YouTube of somebody having a total meltdown? I mean, you think of that poor person. That meltdown is out there forever now. It might be the only meltdown they've ever had in their life, but it's out there forever now. And so, for some people, it's the small things that trip them up. For other people, it's a big thing that they've maybe been battling with for years or a long time. And often what we like to, th you know, we think about temptation as coming from outside of us. You know, like we think of the story of the devil came and tempted Jesus. And that makes it seem like a big thing. Oh my goodness, if I'm being tempted, the devil is coming to tempt me from the. And yes, it is true that out there in the big bad world, there are temptations everywhere, right? Remember the story of Pinocchio when he began to walk? 
and he went out into the world, and who were the first people he met? Were bad men who gave him temptations. Here's beer to drink and cigars to smoke, young man, and he turned into a donkey. Like, you follow temptation, and you'll just become an ass. That is the moral of the story, okay? So, temptations are out there, but do you want to know where the battle is? The battle isn't with you resisting, oh, I need to resist, yeah, temptation. That's not what it is. It's in here. Look what James says. Let's just quickly look at the book of James. Book of James says this in chapter 1. Remember when you are being tempted, don't say God is tempting me. God is never tempted to do wrong, and He never tempts anyone else. Temptation comes from our own desires, which entices and drag us away. These desires give birth to sinful actions. And when sin is allowed to grow, it gives birth to death. Remember, of course, the wages of sin is death, right? So, it, sin kills everything it touches, you know? So, if, if the sin is embezzlement in your business, your business will die. If the sin is adultery, you're about to kill your marriage. The wages of sin is death. It might be death, death, but it, it kills. Sin kills everything it touches. It's toxic. And so, in fact, you want to know the biggest pandemic in the world? It's sin. We spread it to everybody, everywhere we go. And here's, let's just have a look at what the Bible promises us. This is my last verse. This is a promise from God. The temptations in your life are no different. I know you think you're more tempted than everybody else, and all, but actually it's no different from what others experience. And guess what? God is faithful. Often we're not faithful, but always God is faithful. And He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. So, this is a great verse because sometimes, you know, you know, as a pastor over the years, oh, but pastor, you don't understand. I just couldn't resist it. I, like it was beyond. I couldn't do it. Wrong. Ching, ching. Wrong answer. God will never allow you to be tempted beyond more than you can stand. But when you are tempted, He will show you the way of escape so you can endure. There's always a way, there's always a way of escape. I mean, it might be out the fire exit, but take it. If that's a way of escape, take it. There's always a way of escape out of the situation that you are in. Now, I remember when I was a young Christian, and I would hear old pastors with gray hair on the platform talking about temptation. I would think, yeah, it's okay. You're an old dude. Like, you don't get tempted anymore, you know. Your libido shot through at that age, you know. I'm still young. But I want you to know all these old pastors were once young people too, okay? And this verse came amazingly alive to me when I was a young Christian. I was in my early 20s. When I was 16 years old, I left school. I went to catering college for a year to, to train to be a chef. And then I became an apprentice chef, a commie chef in, a, in an Italian restaurant. And I was there for a few years. And... Um, uh, 
I was a bit of a druggie, a bit of a loser, a bit of a dropout, and there was this girl there, she was a waitress, and she was in just as bad a state as I was. So me and her spent all of our time together doing drugs and stuff like that. And, um, and then one day I arrived at work and the police were there. And there, there, there had been some criminal thing with the management and the mafia. I don't know what it was all about. It was an Italian restaurant. I don't know what it was all about. But all I know was the place got shut down and we all lost our jobs. So we all got scattered to different restaurants and hotels. And at that time, that was exactly the time that I became a Christian. So none of the people I used to work with knew that I had become a Christian. Fast forward like three or four years, I was now at Bible college. God had called me to be a pastor. I was now at Bible college and I was studying. And um, I, I happened to call, my, I had an apartment near the college. I happened to call my parents and my mother said to me that from the college, I was in the college, and I happened to call my, it was a payphone in those days, long, long time ago. And, I said, and my mother said to me, oh, this girl, such and such, this waitress I used to work with, who's been living in London for years, she's up in Scotland and she called. She, she, she only had her home number and she wants to see you. And I said, well, what did you say to her? And she said, well, I told her that you're at college now and where the college is and she's on her way to meet you. And I thought, oh no. <laughs> she doesn't know. <laughs> I am no longer the person I used to be. Like she's, she's, like her, she's coming loaded. She's coming for a night out, right? So I said, okay, right. So I left the college and I turned, I was walking down the road. It was the evening and I turned the corner and there she was walking up there and, and it was wow. She looked wow. <laughs> like heads were turning on the street and I'm like, oh, please, Lord, help me. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> so so she's, she comes up, we greet. She wants to go to a bar. I think drinking alcohol with her might not be a good, a good idea. So I say, oh no, let's do something else. And she said, well, there's a movie theater here and there's a movie I, I want to watch. Why don't we go to see it? I didn't know what the movie was. We went to the movie theater. It was the most demonic movie. Like it was worse than demonic movies I watched before I was a Christian. I remember at one point going to the washroom and praying, Lord, help me. In fact, I remember the debate among the students at the college was whether or not you could lose your salvation. And I remember praying in the washrooms and saying, Lord, I really hope you can't because I feel like I am on my way down the wrong path tonight, right? Anyway, got back in, sat down, movie finished. Thank goodness we left. Left the movie theater. She said, where's your apartment? I said, it's just a block away. She said, oh, I'd love to see it. Show me your apartment and grabs me by the arm and we start walking to the apartment. And like guys are walking past me like, well done bro, you know? <laughs> and, and inside, I, and so I say to her like, you, you do know that I am now a Christian? She said, yeah, yeah, your, your mom told me you're a Christian now. I said like, you know what that means? I'm like a real proper born again Christian. Like, and there's, you know, we have a, we don't do sex outside of marriage. So like, nothing's happening tonight. And she said, yeah, whatever. She didn't believe me. Whatever, she said. We got to the apartment. We arrived at the apartment. And she immediately started doing that husky voice and the eyes and all of that stuff. <laughs> and so I did the British thing. 
let's have a cup of tea. And I, I went to the kitchen to put, and I'm making a cup of tea, and I, can you put that verse back up a moment? The last verse, I suddenly remembered this verse. And I thought, Lord, you will provide a way of, I need to escape this girl, Lord, right? You will provide a way of escape. And it's not out the window because this is my apartment. I'm staying here. And I said, I don't know what it is, Lord, but can you please do something to help me out because I'm now a Christian and I don't live that way anymore and I'm following after Jesus, but I need help. Like, I am melting like butter here. I am ready to give in any second. Please help me. Came back through with the tea. We have our tea. Within about two minutes, there's a knock on my apartment door. Not the door entry system, my actual apartment door. And I open it and there's a pastor standing there. Not any pastor quite a famous Scottish pastor. Anytime the BBC wanted to interview a pastor about the charismatic movement, they always interviewed him. He was like kind of one of my heroes. I had actually met him a couple of times, and I had interviewed him for a college project and found out he lived near my apartment. In fact, you can find him. He's still a pastor today of Victory Christian Center in Glasgow. His name is Pastor Alex Gillis, and I opened the door and I said, Pastor Alex Gillis. And he said, yeah. I said, what are you doing here? And he said, I was, I was driving home and I thought, that young man, Martin Trench, told me he lived here. And I suddenly felt the need to stop and come out. And I said, and he said, what's the problem? I said, there's a hot girl in here. That's the problem. <laughs> and he said, leave it to me. Leave it to me. Right. So we came in. We came in, and I said, would you like a cup of tea, Pastor Alex? And I went to the kitchen and left them too, and I'm sticking my ear around the corner, and he, he's like, he, he goes straight for the gospel, finds out a little bit about her, and then starts sharing the gospel and applying it to her life. Like, she now has no doubt what a Christian is. Also, it's clear that she is not into it. I can hear her saying, I don't want God telling me what to do with my life, and I don't want my sins forgiven, and stuff like that. So I come back out, I give him his tea, cup of tea, we have our cup of tea, we have some pleasant small talk. He says, I need to go now, and she says, so do I. And she leaves, and at that point, I realize that God can provide a way of escape out of temptation that you could never have calculated you could never, Lord, that pastor, blah, blah, make us drive up this road and stop his car. I mean, I said to him, how did you get in the door entry system? He said, I, I, I saw this girl coming out, and I said, do you know a guy called Martin Trench? And she said, yeah, I think he's in the apartment above me. And she let me in. <laughs> I mean, like, it was a complete setup. Now, hey, I know some Christians who wouldn't have prayed for a way of escape. They would have waited till the next day and prayed for forgiveness. 
And I'm glad that God is a God of forgiveness, but it's not just about forgiveness. It's about, I was training to be a pastor. I had heard stories of youth pastors that had had inappropriate relationships with teenage girls in the youth group. I had heard stories of pastors that had committed adultery with their secretary. I had just heard the story of that famous evangelist who had had an affair and lost his ministry. And I realized they didn't just wake up one day and do that. They compromised a little bit. Then they compromised another little bit. And then they compromised another little bit. And I knew that if I had lost that battle against temptation, I could end up being one of these people that becomes a pastor, sins very publicly, and brings the name of Jesus into disrepute. And I, and I believe that if, in those college days, fighting that battle then and discovering the truth of that scripture then was what put my feet on the right path, and I want to keep going down the right path. I don't want to give in to temptation or to deception or even to discouragement. I want the Lord to be the foundation of my life. I want His Spirit to give me strength to be an overcomer. I want to be able to do all things through Christ who strengthens me, because greater is He who is in me than anything that I or you will face in the world. Can you say amen, church? Right, come on, stand up. We're going to pray together. Let's just lift our hands up to God, and let's say this together. Heavenly Father, this week in my life, I pray, may your kingdom come. May your will be done. Not my will, but thy will. Deliver me from all evil. Lead me away from all temptation. And help me to encourage myself in the Lord my God. I believe it and I receive it. In Jesus' name, amen.